The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Matthew chapter 6, if you're there, say amen. If you're ready to hear from God's Word, say amen. All right, if you would stand out of recognition for His infallible, inerrant Word, serving as a final authority in all matters of faith and practice. It says in chapter 6 of the book of Matthew in verse 9, Therefore you should pray like this. If you're going to pray, you might want to consider your prayer mirroring the heart of this prayer. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the superiority of it, the authority in it, and Lord, I pray we practice the application of it. To this end, may you receive all glory, honor, and praise, dear Lord Jesus. May you empower the presence of the Holy Spirit in every believer to convict, direct, teach, and apply. And it is in that name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I'm looking forward to a taco. Matthew chapter 6. I love food. I don't know what it is about it. The older I get, the more I love it. It's concerning me just a little bit. I had a doctor's appointment tomorrow, and he's going to check my blood pressure. Yeah, good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> so, so we're going to take this prayer and, and break it down into about five or six different points, only covering three this morning. So let's look at the first part again. And Jesus instructs his people. If you want to pray, and let's remember in the preface here, that prayer is when God's people come before the all-powerful throne of the Almighty through the death, burial, resurrection, and the blood of Jesus Christ to petition Jesus Christ to pray in an intercessorily. You know that word? He prays, <laughs> I can't pronounce it intercessorily (laughs) he's our intercessor um, when we pray before the throne of God and so he's telling us more or less right he's the one that intercedes for us on our behalf his blood covers us when the Lord looks at him he sees us and so Christ is saying if I would pray like this that it's in your best interest. And, and often we, we, we go to pray and it ends up being very repetitious. It ends up being something that is a practice rather than prayer being a pursuit in itself of who God is and that reality becoming a part of our reality. And so when we pray, it is not to be a matter of petition, but a matter of praise. So we take prayer and we use it just like our kids use the Santa list before Christmas. It's, hey, and we're stuck on certain passages like the Lord gives us the desires of our hearts. Well, let me ask you, why does the desires of our heart not mirror the desires of God's heart? 
And so God says, whatever you ask in my name, it will be given. Well, let me tell you, friend, this doesn't work. Lord Jesus, I need, I need a new Jeep, four-door, jacked up, 35-inch tires with a cool spare tire. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? And so we think, and so we've gotten the habit of if someone, and I've heard people say, well, that preacher so-and-so doesn't pray in Jesus' name. Well, friend, Jesus' name means your, your prayer is in accordance to the desire of God's will in his pursuit for his glory. So you can't just tag on, as I'm asking Jeanette to do something and just throwing on pretty please. Friend, that just don't make it happen. Praying in God's name means first you've surrendered and you're going to see this prayer is about a prayer in his name. He's telling you how to pray. He's signing this prayer off as appropriate to move the kingdom of heaven in your favor, in your behalf, for his glory. Does that make sense? And your behalf is in best interest when you're in his will. Everybody recognize that? Say amen. So why do we pray so hard to live outside of his will? Think about how you pray. Think about how you think. Think about how you react. We try to get God to change His will to match ours. Well, I want this. I thought it would be like this. I expected this. It didn't turn out that way. I'm disappointed. And so I'm going to pray about it rather than praying for God's revelation, God's exaltation to transpire in your life so that others see you don't just like Jesus when he's good to you. You love Jesus because he's good to you. He's God to you is what I meant to say right there. So let's start in saying prayer is not this thing we teach our kids. Now preschool and, and them being children is good, but most of our adult prayers would remind someone of the first prayer we taught our children to pray. There's been no growth. There's been no maturity. There's been no experimentation. It just didn't work. We didn't change it because we're too lazy. And do you know, you've heard this, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and nothing changes. So, prayer, what is it? Well, it's an exchange a verbal or emotion, verbal communication, emotional thought. You don't have to use words to pray. But the first thing is you're aware, of, and we're going to get to those points here in just a second, but you've got to have an awareness of who you're praying to and a recognition of who He is. Right? He, God did not create you so He could serve you. God created you so you could serve Him. Now, the minute the church does church for the glory of the king rather than the comfort of humanity is the day the Holy Spirit will be turned loose. Friend, you can't come in surrender to Jesus desperate for his glory and barely stay alive during a worship service. It's just not compatible. Fact is that the desire of the Holy Spirit in every one of us should come to life and should be yearning to express that now as Baptists, and we talked about this when Wednesday night, and this is sensitive. But I'm, I'm going to show you how we've restricted worship. If you're here Wednesday night, you already know this. Scripture says about the Lord's service, as 
often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Often. Tomorrow, when I get to the doctor, I've been checking my blood pressure all the time. Sometimes with medication before I take it, sometimes after. I'm sure that's helpful for him. But if he says, have you been taking, and it's been nine months since I went to the doctor, six months, it's been a stretch. But he says, Eric, have you been taking your blood pressure medicine often? And I say, six months. Oh, yeah, I took it. I took it twice. Would that be often? Okay, but when Scripture says, as often as you partake of the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. Now, as Baptists, we wanted to keep it fresh. We wanted it not to get mundane. So we moved to a quarterly schedule. Would you say, and I don't think we did it quarterly this year, but would you say that anything you did in your life quarterly was often? So I think the whole idea is we have created a construct to control and organize, predict, remove any passion and zeal, because you say, well, we're trying to keep it fresh, friend. If you expect it every four months, it's still not fresh. Anything that is predicted or scheduled is not moved by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? There is, what's that word? Help me. Spontaneity. Beauty. Now, I loved when the kids come along. But you know one thing is slowed down? You ever dealt with a car seat? Now... Back in the day, you just jumped in. You might seatbelt. You might not. Now, I'm going to tell you, them seatbelts is, is all good for safety. But that seatbelt ringer alarm thing, that needs to be outlawed. I'm a grown man, right? Well, so anyway, I'd be like, because I like to go, when I get bored, I like to go walk around Walmart. I mean, what else is there to do in a rural town? So a lot of our dates would be a really nice meal at Western Sizzlin, um, Taco Bell, um, chicken quesadilla was right about our price rate. And then we'd go to Walmart. Well, after the kids came along, that first one didn't slow me down much. Second one, that slowed us down a bit, that third one. My blood pressure is through the roof before everybody got in the car. By the time they got in the car, I didn't want to go to Walmart no more. I mean, there's a beauty to spontaneity in any time religion or tradition suffocates freedom, then the schedule has become a God, not the movement of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to be asking the church in coming days to consider a little more freedom with the Lord's Supper. It is not against Baptist polity. It is nothing against Scripture. It is just tradition. But friend, there's just times where I feel like in my life I have needed the Lord's Supper and I'm like, well, Easter's coming. The Lord's Supper is a time of repentance. It's a time of reparation in your relationship with the Lord. Let's move on. Now let's get to the text. I don't know how you made me get there. I don't have my, oh, let's do this. Verse 9, therefore you should pray like this. So all that to say, Jesus is telling you 
how to pray, you might want to give heed to the next few moments. He says, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. So first, every time we pray, anytime you have an expectation for your prayer to reach the King of kings and Lord of lords, it needs a recognition of God's position. It requires. Jesus is not wasting his words here. When he said, this is how you should pray, we, te- we have taken the word should and made it an option because that's what humanism does. But when God says this is what you should do, it's not a strong recommendation. It is, this is what I want you to do. It's kind of like, as my children get older, I've gone to do this, to you might want to consider doing it this way. And I can assure you, if I say you might want to consider doing it this way, that is exactly the way I expect it to be done. But I wanted to give them a chance to process because they're grown folks. Well, not really. But they're getting closer. And so I want to start turning over some of that responsibility of maturity to them with the assumption that they're going to respond. So Jesus turns over here an opportunity for us to respond in the right way, recognizing you still got that will. And so the first one is recognizing God's position. I mean, that means that I've got to position myself in my life under the authority of God and under the authority of His commands. So... If he's not my God, then why am I praying to him? Does that that register? And if I don't do what he says, he's not my God. Something else is. So, you spend time, you serve, you give to what you love. So, friend, again, Jesus is saying that our, our Father in heaven, our, that's an interesting plural possessive pronoun he's recognizing that all of us as believers and those who are not he's saying anyone that would pray should say our because whether he is your father spiritually or whether he's your father universally as in he just created you he's still your father and so that, that in itself, the word father demands respect, right? It carries authority. And so our, universally we have a creator. Do you believe God created the heavens and the earth? Say amen. So he says start with our. That means you own it whether you want to recognize it or not. Right? He's, he's telling you, oh God, your father. You either recognize it on this earth or you can recognize it after you're passing. But you're going to recognize it. He assigns a personal pronoun to you. He assigns who you are and what your position is. Then he says, our father. The relationship, one of intimacy, one of desire. One of communication, one of transparency. You know, one thing about our dads, and my boys will agree with this, we get to watch them, now, of course, not God the Father, but on earth. We see mistakes, and we learn about humanity. And God is familiar with all our mistakes. He's familiar with all our transgressions. 
but despite inhumanity, despite all the failures and the flaws, it's still recommended, it's still commanded in Scripture for children to obey their parents. And so, in using that word, as a child, God didn't ask you whether your parents were right or not. And we're still a what of God? Child. So you see. Now, number two. I need to move quickly. Our Father in heaven. Let's back up again. Your name be honored as holy. So, my Father in heaven. Right? That, that's where you reside. Which I don't even begin to understand what heaven is. I mean, as I've gotten older, the idea of it changes. And it changes to more of an abstract, blank canvas. Heaven is going to be what God created it to be. I don't know what will be there. I like to think animals will be there, and I don't know why I hope animals will be there. Maybe because I can see my little old dog, Dad ran over one day. You know, I mean, there's tragedies in this little earth. My hamster. You know, back home we had tornadoes. Anybody ever been through one of them babies? Y'all lived through hurricanes. I, I'm not going to say nothing. We went through tornadoes and we had a tornado shelter. And every time one of the babies would hit, I'd take my guinea pig. And so me and old guinea, you got to get creative with an animal that dies a lot. Right? I mean, we, were, we had a constant exchange at the pet store in the mall with them guinea pigs. About three to five days and I was getting a new one. So I had them guineas, guinea pigs, not guineas, and they go through the, the shelter with me. And though their names changed and their colors changed, the guinea pig itself got close to me. And you know, when they passed away as a child, I would always try to figure out, Lord, I love guinea number 48. <laughs> you know? And so I started thinking, well, I hope animals, and we don't know. But here's my thinking, and this is completely off topic. But if it was there in his original design, why wouldn't it be there in his permanent design? You know, God creates to show his creativity and his power. And so anyway, uh, wherever you are with animals and stuff in heaven, you can think about that for a little while. So he's saying, our Father, our authority, who resides above anything we know or understand... So God, not only in name are you above us, but in position and authority and definition you're above us. And so when I come to you in prayer, I come to you not to elevate myself, but to elevate your position and your person. My prayer is not to request, but to rejoice. And so, in the scripture says, make a request known to the Lord, Right? Well, we're going to get there. It may be next week, but we're going to get there. So first, I've got to recognize God's position. And that is that I am created by Him. I am under His authority and I'm expected to obey His word. Now, let's get to the next. A preference for God's will in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now that's not how 
most prayers start. Lord, we want to recognize your position and your authority. And then, we do not come seeking our own will. Now, most of our prayers are what I like to call a hybrid. We have an agenda in our prayer, but then we tack on, Lord, your will be done. Now, hold on. I'm real picky about my yard. I told you I like my lines straight. If there's anything, friends, you can do in life, it's keep your lines straight in your yard. All right? I'm just telling you, if I drive by your yard and they're like this, I'm going to be like, you have to pray for them. Their life's out of line. Right? So, when the boys are mowing, the outcome is unpredictable. Now, I appreciate them doing it because I don't have to. But, so, when we say, this is the way I want it, Lord, but whatever your will be. Does that make any logical sense? I'm going to tell you how to mow, and then I'm going to say, oh, boys, just do it however you want to. No, I say, boys, you, I start my line. And you stay right on this line, and then I don't walk away and say, hey, y'all told you that was going to get me. Y'all feel free if you want to just go about it, go about it, go about it your way. No, you, I don't see how you can ask for your will and then surrender to his will in the same sentence. Unless your will before prayer, through Bible study and meditation, your will has already surrendered to his will. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so a, a preference for his will. So prayer is not an opportunity for me to communicate my will to the Lord. Prayer is an opportunity for me to request him reveal his will to me. So, when I asked Jeanette, what do you think? But then I keep talking. Is that good communication? No. Boys, if you ain't learned nothing, first, don't ask that question. (laughs) Just kidding. Second, if you ask that question, you have required your attention for the next whatever lifetime she desires to take. And not only will you take it, you will enjoy it. (laughs) And you will respond to it positively. So when we say, Lord, what is your will? It is not an opportunity for us to then remind him of our will. Let me propose this idea. And I'm not trying to cut down on your prayer time. I'm trying to remove your expectations for his sovereignty and him only responding to your requests. He has requests that you have not heeded. But yet you as the created have the ability to approach the creator with the requests. So prayer, again, is an opportunity to commune. Okay? That means for there to be an interaction on an intimate level from both parties. Now, I thought when we first got married, 
that talking meant yes and no. Yeah and nah. What I have learned is my wife wants me to use my words to explain my feelings. I still don't understand the point of that. But God's saying, listen, son, you do a whole lot of talking. And you do a whole lot of doing. But you don't do much listening. You come to me with your wish list, your wants and desires. (laughs) Do you know who I am? One other passage says, who is man that God would be But do you see how we abuse that relationship? Who are we that God would be mindful of us? Hey, God, you got a minute? I got some needs. I got some wants. Could you just just stop your your kind of God thing for just a second and serve me? friend, Friend, the reason prayer has always preceded the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. God's people in Acts didn't get together. They didn't even have a church. There was nothing to disagree about what was going on at the church. They just got together with a desire to take care of each other, learn God's word, and pray like they were praying to the king of kings. And when the king of kings was lifted up, he, what did he do? Draw in himself. So the problem is not Jesus ain't looking to move on our churches. The problem is that people ain't waiting for Jesus to move. Because people moving the Holy Spirit for an anointing, to have that favor comes with requirements. One, every time we pray, there should be a recognition of God's position. Who am I in relationship to the position he carries? And it wasn't a position he was given. It was a position that has always belonged to him. No, no one crowned God creator. He is creator. Okay? Let's move on number two. We just talked about it. A preference of God's will. Every time I pray, it is not to accomplish what I see and understand. It is an opportunity to align myself verbally and spiritually under his authority and pursue what he would want. Now, I'm going to throw this out there too. We often know what God would want. It is our human desires and will that confuse the process. Most of the time I would argue the Holy Spirit's already told you what's right and wrong and any kind of battle or disappointment or a lack of happiness you have is a process you're trying to come to terms with it and you won't win so let's go to number three and we'll dismiss lastly again first a recognition of god's position two a preference for god's will number three a dependence on god's provisions it does not matter what you have accumulated what you have accomplished, whatever your position is, it is under the authority of the Sovereign Heavenly Father. I have nothing He didn't allow me to have. I have nothing He didn't give me. And I can't give Him anything He didn't give me. So, 
here's how it addresses that. It starts out, let's go back to the beginning. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. So not only is that position of submission to his authority, it's also to his power and provision. They didn't say thank you for this abundance of food. So thank you for the daily bread. Our scripture tells you what? Are we supposed to count on tomorrow? No. So, Lord, whatever sustenance I get today, great or small, and the assumption there is that it's average. I'm going to have my daily bread. Just like the nation of Israel who were told, don't you take this and hide it. Don't you accumulate it. You put it to use. Well, they do. They're trying to hide it. It rotted, blah, blah, blah. That bad situation. You can't hide anything from God. The eyes that created all see all. And so I'm supposed to be... Now, there, there's, a, there's a little catch here in defining contentment. I'm supposed to be grateful for what I have, recognizing Him and His sovereignty knows exactly what I need and what I can be trusted with. Farther, I'm to be content. Well, here's my argument against contentment. I'm just going to talk to you for... I've never understood it from a psychological standpoint. Contentment. Contentment to me means you just settle. (laughs) That's not scriptural contentment. Scriptural contentment is, I'm going to get everything I can get done today for the name and the glory of King Jesus. I'm going to take every resource and I'm going to win the world today because I just got one day. And I'm not going to worry about what I'm going to eat because he's going to feed me. If he's got a cattle on a thousand hills and he feeds the birds, surely he can take care of me. So contentment is not a lack of involvement, investment, energy, and passion. It's recognizing where your power comes from. So when we say, church, let's just be content. Let's just be happy where we're at. That does not mean lay down, roll over, and die. It means get off your highness. Is that a highness? Hyneness. Um, I don't know which I meant there. Get out of the pew, win somebody for the Lord because He's worth it. Even your prayer should bring glory and honor to the Lord and not make much of you. Father, thank you for what you've given us. Everything comes from you. And if you give it to us, you have a purpose for it. And it's not to stick in our pocket and hide in our tents, it's to put to work to fulfill the kingdom. Because it is about your glory, and I want to participate in it. Now, I got, I got a will and desire, Lord, and you know that, and I need you to help me with it. But I've got to position myself under your authority and power. And my prayer is an opportunity for praise, not an opportunity for request. Now, make your petitions known. We'll tie all that together next week, and I'll give you a preview, because I don't want you to think I'm a heretic. When a man or a woman follows the Lord, their desires change. So when we surrender, 
you ain't fighting with the will no more. So when you pray and, and people say, how do I know God's will? Well, you just, honestly, you just do what the Word says and He'll take care of it. I've fought anxiety. And you know what it's, anxiety is about? Me wanting to be the boss. Me wanting to know what tomorrow holds. And it's as corny as all get out. But that little cliche, I don't know what who, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds. Again, let me read it. That's corny. But it's true. Now, I know today I have my daily bread. <laughs> that was provided this morning, and I shall dine as a king this afternoon. <laughs> Friend, I love you, and in closing, I just want you to, just this week, you've taken this past week, and and I hope you've fasted from something. If not, it's okay. Um, But just think about how you pray. Okay, when you go to pray, there's going to be something you're just going to say because it's what you've always said, especially at a meal, creatures of habit. I'm going to challenge you to listen and consider every word as if, because here, here's the, the heavenly imagery. Jesus is listening. He's going to go tell the Father. And a saint is praying. Now we think that we take this thing lightly. When a child of the king asks the king, it gets attention. When my kids come to me and say, hey, Dad, yeah, buddy, what do you want? I stop. So when you pray, heaven rejoices, not because, not because they recognize you, they recognize who you're recognizing in the process. And then how's it going to go from there? Heaven is not waiting. Heaven is not waiting for you to pray so that you can be glorified. Heaven is waiting for you to pray so that He can turn loose the Holy Spirit and He be glorified in a powerful manifestation many of us have not seen in our lifetime. Where addictions are healed, marriages are healed, people are healed. God still heals. The problem is people don't pray. I'll pray. Test it. Lord, as we come to close this morning, I thank you for the privilege we have in prayer. Lord, I'd also ask you to forgive us for the power that we have neglected in prayer. Lord, your word is clear on so many matters. And I pray that as a church we would find such clarity. In this week we would pray... Lord, we are not beggars. We are a royal priesthood. But that is not on our own behalf. That should not convey to arrogance or independence. It should convey to humility because of our gratitude for Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed from His mutilated body. Or not just humility, but dependence. God, we need You. 
we need you to have church like you intended. Oh, we can put together a service, Lord. But we have church when the Holy Spirit turns loose. How long has it been since we had church? So, Lord, I pray this week we would be conscious, cautious when we pray. That every word would not be a representation of repetition, but a new expression of worship to you. And Lord, I pray you'd bless this church. Bless all your churches, but Lord, I am particular as a man. That we would see something fresh and anew, a fresh wind, a fresh fire. That the intention in this church wouldn't be would not be toward a preference of practice, but a passion for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And it is in that name, the only name under heaven among men by which we must be saved, that precious, powerful name of Jesus Christ. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.